Hello everyone, welcome to a special episode of Telltales to Kids podcast. As always, we'll be talking about things like how to tell stories and so on, and I hope you find it entertaining. The reason it's special is because I have a guest, a guest speaker called Thomas, my eldest grandson, And he'll tell you a little bit about himself and why he suggested that we did this. Over to you, Thomas. Yeah, um, thanks for the introduction. Um, As Nana already said, um, I'm Thomas. I'm the eldest of the grandkids. And um, I was basically the main story requester for a while, um, which has sadly stopped a bit. Um... And I think Kian and Isla are now more into stories than me and Finny were, or are. You know. <laughs> uh, I suggested this because um, I do actually listen to your podcast and I enjoy it very much. However, um, the tutorial things, I always found them a bit short. Uh, so I would go through them like in two days or so I would listen to all your episodes. And looking at other podcasts um, that are successful, most of them have speakers and guests. So it's more of a talk to each other with Mm. um, a theme, less than like, this is how you do it. And it would be nice as like a special episode to have different people on that also have to do with stories. Like I suggested Nana have her... um, illustrate some because that would also be an interesting topic to talk about how do you illustrate stories and not just tell them and so i just thought it was a great idea good that that's brilliant have future plans like um the next one that's just me i thought i'd include story poems because it's really good fun um to write a poem and yet it's a story and it's often done in children's picture books but I don't think people realise um, that that's a, a good style to do it but then that made me think there are things like limericks and so on that people also might be I mean, interested in I think people think it's daunting to not also have to come up with a story but then also make it rhyme Yes, and um, I think that's the main. I mean, they're a bit scared or frightened uh, of poems. I think that's why most yes. people think it's so hard. I think you're right, and um, in fact, it's usually the other way around. You think of something, a subject, rhymes and, then and the rhyme comes, or the first line of oh. something comes into your head, and then you start looking for rhymes. And I've got some tricks to. Um, tell people about that because once I got into it I found it got easier and easier and it is quite good fun I know it, not everybody will be the same anyway yeah. um, 
could you tell me about, um, can you remember what it was like to hear a story from me? Did, did uh, or did Papa or Mama tell you stories? Um, what was it like as a little tiny boy to hear those kind of things? So, uh, Mama always, um, Mama and Papa always told me um, stories about um, stuff things that they did in their life. Like mainly Papa because he has more stories than Mama does. <laughs> or stuff things that he used to do in college or something like that. Which he still does. And me and Finny have a great laugh out of it. Uh, and that, those stories always used to make me happy. And as a little kid, I think I always wanted to go to college and have my own stories to tell, you know. <laughs> but um, having like stories was magic. It was really exciting. Um, and I don't know, it just it just makes you as a kid, it just makes you feel good to hear either yourself or something that someone that you can relate to, like, ah, I'm like this and um, oh that's me and then you're really invested in the story because you know what happens to you. Yeah. Or you know if you're brave or how yes. you are. Yeah. Um, I agree with with that. Um, when I can remember one particular thing though that I really loved when you were little, and we were in Germany visiting you, and I suppose you were about two, and we all went out for a walk. So there was Mama and Papa, uh, Granddad, me, you, and Nelly the dog, and we went through the forest for a walk and you and I were walking along holding hands all the time and talking away because you were always good at talking I don't know who you've inherited that from um, and I told you a story about the three billy goats gruff which was a story I remembered uh, from when I was a, a child myself because it used to be recorded and played on the radio there was a series called children's hour and they used to have things like that on as part of it. And um, it, uh, we got to the rickety bridge and I, I'd go uh, hop and skip, 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 hop and skip over the rickety bridge. But there was always a troll. And you, of course I had to explain what a troll was and not make it too frightening because yeah. you were tiny. But um, the troll song was... I'm a troll, foldy roll. I'm a troll, foldy roll. I'm a troll, foldy roll. And I'll eat you for my supper. And you loved it, of course. And so you wanted me to tell it to you again. So I told it to you again and again and again. And during that walk, I counted and I told it to you 16 times. <laughs> but the really delightful thing was that when you got home and we were having our yeah. tea, you went to see your opa, that's your German granddad, of course, and yeah. uh, Mama was standing talking to him. And in German, not in English, you told them the whole story all over again. <laughs> wow. And it was so impressive. Um, 
you know, I couldn't believe it. But that sort of fired me up to just tell you stories all the time. How did it? How did it start? How because did... I was so young, I, I don't really remember. Did you tell me a story, or did I ask for one? Um, I think I. How did this whole thing start? Well, we used to use Skype in those days. Um, hardly anybody, I think, uses Skype now. But um, yeah. I used to think, how how can I get to know Thomas and him know me? Because we were so far away. And I couldn't see you as often as I wanted. So yeah. I was bothered about that because I thought, maybe he'll just know his German family and he won't know his English family. So I was determined to make sure that didn't happen. And, for example, I'd play games with you. and uh, Yeah, I remember that, actually. Yeah, one... I remember... Go, carry on. Tell this me. is, I think, one of, one of my earliest memories. It was a thing where you would spin a wheel and then you would have, have to find something on a board. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> um, I, I'm do, I've always done sort of crafty things for kids because um, I used to run a play group, uh, you know, and, and there'd be 15 children attending, all under uh, four or four and under. Yeah. And, of course, we had to do all sorts of things, reading stories, painting and all the usual things, playing outside and making things. So I was well into that. But I'd practised on your three... Um, you'd Papa and your two uncles. So yeah. I, I've been doing it for a long time. And I suspect my dad did things like that with me a lot. My mum taught me how to make biscuits and so on. And, but my dad would always do things like that. Anyway, uh, one of the other things well, that I did, and the one that really, really astounded you, mm-hmm. was that I had some paper flowers, just as it happened. And... Uh, there were six of them, but five of them were yellow and one was green. So I... Oh, something's beeping. Never mind. Um, I got the five yellow ones and I showed them to you on the screen and we counted them one, slowly. One, two, three, four, five. And then I said, say the magic word, and I put them down just below the screen so she couldn't see, and I swapped one of them for the green one, and you said whatever it was, abracadabra or whatever we decided was the magic word. And I lifted them up again, and there they were. One of them had changed green, but I could only change them one at a time, either to green or to yellow. I couldn't do anything else because those were the only flowers I had. But your face, the first time it happened, you were absolutely astounded. And so... um. I kept the, all those memories um, uh, and kept building on them. And I thought about telling you stories about yourself. And they were just very small things, like um, you went to nursery and you built the biggest tower of bricks in the world, so big that it touched the ceiling. And things like that. So, you know, it would be a longer story, but something that you could imagine and then build yeah. on. <laughs> oh, that's appropriate, isn't it? Building on the brick story. Um, 
so that that's how I started to do it. But I didn't really turn it into a book um, till much later. Uh, my Telltale's book, and then I did a sort of um, a practical book as well. But um, the Telltale's book, I had to do it really. I felt I couldn't not do it because a lot of uh, people, or quite a few people, said to me, yeah. I don't understand why you've got such a good uh, relationship with your grandchildren, because Finney had arrived by them. And um, you seem to get on really well with them, and yet you don't see them very often. And the, it, like one lady in the street said that to me, and somebody else said, oh, my daughter's just had a baby in Australia, and I'll never, ever see her. I'm so sad. And I said, well, you can do something about that. You know, you can see her, even if it's not touching her. Yeah. And explained a little bit to her. And then the thing, there was one thing that was an absolute trigger. And I thought, I have to help people with this. And that was a lady um, who said, my two grandchildren live in France. And I wish I could talk to them like you talk to yours. Um, she said, uh, I ring them every Thursday and I say, uh, this was on Skype, and I say, hello, yeah. whatever the name of Jean, and hello, um, Francois, how, how are you? And they'd say, okay, thank you, Granny. And then she'd say to them, did you have a nice day at school today? And they'd say, yes, thank you, Granny. And then they'd run off because they were so bored because she hadn't, understood that you need to ask questions that lead somewhere so yeah. instead of asking um did you have a nice day at school today you say what did you do at school today and um what did you play with your friends and was there anything funny that happened um and uh, oh yeah. you sound a bit sad you know are you okay mm -hmm. tell me about it so that's how I kind of started. I started writing it down. But I was practising by reading or telling you all the stories um, and then writing them down as well. <laughs> right. What, yeah. what else? I think people... What's it called? I think people don't really understand how important stories are, actually. I mean, looking at history, there's always been like a story keeper in every tribe or um yes you're right if there was some sort of like um yeah tribe or village there was always a story keeper yes and they then... they kept the history didn't they yeah and it's also they taught their kids with stories i mean that's how they taught each other not to eat berries that like a toxic and things like that mm. or which animals you should fear because to be honest <laughs> once you've seen a lion um <laughs> it's eaten you and survived it you know <laughs> that that's probably not a good idea and um you should know that it's dangerous without having to experience it once yes that's true uh, the other so, thing sorry yeah. that 
that you might know a lot more about than me, uh, the stories of people like the Brothers Grimm, which, ironically, were often very grim stories, but a Grimm with one M instead of two. Um, they were designed to, to teach yeah, people um, things. I do remember. I always, I didn't find, I didn't find them very mm, scary or anything. And um, if someone got eaten by a monster or something, I didn't really care as a child. <laughs> but I, what I still remember is... Um, and this story still makes me sad um, to this day because I, I don't know, it just Touched swept something. me away with mm. emotions as I was a child. Was the ones um, where there was this um, homeless little girl in winter and she had like three matches left. Mm. And then she goes from door to door and no one helps her. And then she actually dies of, um, of the cold in the end. And I don't know what it is, but it just it just makes me so sad. And I think that's one thing only stories can do. That's right. That's um, why people haven't been letting... I know your mama and papa didn't let you watch the news ever because you can be overwhelmed with something like that. But what the story does is allow you to know it's a, a story. So as a child, you can yeah. be rationalise it and think it isn't real even though it is people's experience actually these days um, but you can uh, feel the emotions sympathise with someone, empathise with them and then you carry that with you so that when a real situation arises and you need support that uh, or someone else needs support you yeah. know that you want to give it to them and, and do your best to do that. So you're right, there are all sorts of lessons you can get from um, storytelling. And I mean, stories have evolved. Nowadays it's like films and plays and things. They're kind of a story as well. Even though most of them don't really have a message anymore. <laughs> Although, um, they're just daft to be funny. Yes, although I was chuckling just then because, um, I always think that some of the um Disney films don't have a proper message, but but when you think about it, they're based on other stories, usually, not yeah. always, and things like uh, Finding Nemo. Well, then you can have a discussion about getting lost and what you would do. and which you should have had anyway, I suppose, but, you know, it gives you a good opportunity to talk about it. But why I was chuckling was because yeah. I was thinking of Brave, which is still, I think, my favourite modern Disney film. And the reason it was because of the heroine. Because in my day, it, all the heroines were princesses that, and they weren't really heroines at all because things just happened to them. The, they pricked their finger, they fell asleep, and some brave man came and rescued them, ever so handsome and brave, or, um, uh, you know, they had to feed birds, and which is very nice, but didn't achieve anything much. But the heroine in Brave just is so powerful as a woman, or as a little girl, medium girl, yeah. 
uh, from the beginning and and you're on her side and you're sort of cheering her on and she's not only fighting her um, father's enemy tribes Wishes but she's also fighting oh, him yeah, yeah. but without hurting him until she accidentally does um, mentally hurt him and disturb him but it also makes him address the issues her mum supports her and they get through it and yeah. it's and it's lovely and he's then very proud of her too and the thing was I have a friend called Nicola she's Scottish and she has the most gorgeous flowing curly auburn hair just like the, the little girl on Brave had and yeah. so the second we went to the cinema in Munich to see it with you and the second we came out, I just thought to myself, that's Nick. <laughs> and I sent her a text message saying that. And we both thought it was funny and true, of course. <laughs> it's just yeah, nice. Um, I think, have you seen, uh, have you seen Soul? No, it's I haven't. It's a new uh, Pixar movie. You'd really enjoy it. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. What kind of things it's, tell? Um, so it's about um, a jazz musician, right? That um, I'm afraid that falls into a sewage hole and uh, <laughs> dies oh just before his big concert, <laughs> and then he gets put up into heaven, and he's on his way to the great beyond. And then he escapes because he wants to do this concert so badly. And he escapes the great beyond and is put into the, like, nursing home for new souls as a teacher. <laughs> and he gets this really hard soul which doesn't want to go into Earth. And they basically just um, accidentally go into Earth. She doesn't want to be. He does. Mm -hmm. The problem is they swap bodies. So he's in a cat and she's in his body. And so she kind of has to figure out how everything works and then comes to realise that she actually does like her. Mm -hmm. And it's a great, it's a great film. Oh, good. I'll, I'll have to kidnap a child and take it. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid it, it came out this year, so we couldn't see it in cinemas. Uh, no. That's... But um, we found it online, which is... Oh, that's great. A good recommendation. Um, what, yeah. a, what else were we talking about, about actual um, books and so on, and uh, reading and stories? Um, I told you a story once, and I've told it on my uh, podcast, about uh, Thomas being... Naughty, um, finished playing in the garden uh, with Susie, my dog. Yeah. Uh, but Susie's in Germany because that's is that kind of a story. You know, they're just in a place, mm -hmm. not specific anywhere. And uh, uh, she's having a nice time splashing in puddles and, and Susie's enjoying it and floating up and down in the air because she's magic. And uh, then yeah. Thomas joins in and he's splashing even more. And they're all having a great time. And then, through the window, uh, Thomas sees me. 
through the window. And uh, maybe I'm getting two stories mixed up here, but anyway. He um, thinks, oh, I know, good idea, I'll play a trick on Nana. And he gets this uh, little piece of rope that he's seen and he ties um, a plastic bowl, bowl with a rim, he ties that. Or it might not be plastic, I don't know. Um, on it, and he puts it up, up in the tree that he's climbed. And it's got water in it, and his intention is to pour water on Nana when he calls her. So he does call her, and she comes out, and she's been watching through the window, and she knows what's what's going on. And, um, of course, she has magic at the end of her fingers all the time. Yeah. Just a little bit, but just enough. And so Thomas is up the tree, he calls her, and she comes over. And just as she's coming over, he realises it's an awful idea. She's been baking, she's got her nice baking gloves on, and she's got her pinny on, and he doesn't mm -hmm. want her to get splashed. What? But it's too late because he's already pulled the cord, and it's going to splash her. And it, all the water, Nana changes it quickly into rose petals, and um, they fall down. And so she doesn't get splashed. But she magics it so that the rope goes round Thomas's ankle and he ends up hanging upside down in, in the tree. And Susie floats up to lick his face and that sort of thing. And um, it was such a silly story that I thought, oh, um, I must save that. So after I'd told it to you, I then yeah. wrote it down immediately. And that's what got me into the habit of writing them them down. And mm -hmm. when it was Finney's first birthday, you were in England, so we went to Harrogate um, and we went into a really nice cafe and it had wooden cats everywhere, all the way around it, which you mm -hmm. absolutely loved. Uh, both of you loved them. And um, I started telling you a, a story about a pirate captain who was a cat and how you got magic from this ca cafe onto his ship and how you helped and solved him a, a few problems for him and then got magic back, back. But nobody else noticed, only Nana. Nobody noticed that you'd disappeared, done all that, and then come back again. And I think that's nice for kids, that they can do things that are magic. In my case, those are the kind of stories I like telling. Um that I think, other people haven't noticed. I think also, as a child, I remember when I was little, the um, car ride to the airport always felt like ages. I mean, mm. really, yeah. so long. And um, nowadays, it's fine. It goes over in no time, and I'm quite surprised, actually. I'm all <laughs> like, oh, we're already here. So th that's quite kind of interesting, actually. But I kind of had a different sense of time mm. when I was small. And in car rides or long bus rides or airplanes and things, I think a story is great because it just, it gets you involved and you don't really think about what's happening time-wise or where you're going. And you can just have a blast with a story and then it flies over in no time. Yeah. Which I think is, yeah, really good. Yeah, and the other thing is singing, isn't it? Sometimes you put music on in the car 
and um, it's just tunes that you like, songs that you like. You used to like oh, uh, the Beatles. I probably had horrible taste. Oh, yeah, well, I like that stream. Well, yeah. Oliver Twist and things. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's what I was going to say. We also had some CDs with stories on, that, so you used to listen mm. to them as well. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, it's quite good. Um, I always find it funny because I've got memories of um, stories involving my German Oma. Yeah. So, like my German grandmother. Mm -hmm. I, th I think it's really funny to see the difference because she's a, a strong woman and she's grown up and uh, her philosophy is just brute forcing stuff. Yeah, get on and, with things, I um, think we say. <laughs> get on with things, yeah. And I think it's funny how you say, um, like, don't make the story too frightening to younger kids and things. And I just remember listening to um, Krimis, so like murder stories with my um, oh, yes. with my Oma, just yes. lying on the floor, <laughs> listening to a CD of um, this like murder mystery, and I kind of enjoyed it. I knew it wasn't real. And I had an adult there, mm -hmm. and it's just a stark contrast. Yes. I mean, of course, this is on a child-per-child -child basis. I yeah, I'm never one. the sort to get bothered by that kind of thing. No. But uh, you're right, I think they don't I'm have to have you. scary stories sometimes. It wasn't, it wasn't scary per se, because no. um, there wasn't any, well, there wasn't um, anything scary that happened. It was someone died and they mm. had to figure out why or how. Yeah, that's And I was like listening to... Um, Sherlock Holmes, was it? All the clues and... What? Was it Sherlock Holmes she listened to? No, it was, I, I was scared of Sherlock Holmes, actually. Oh, right. No, no, it was uh, a group of... Oh, right. Uh, like Agatha Christie. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so there'll be lots of murders so, yeah, actually, and clues. I, actually, I was scared of Sherlock Holmes. I don't know why. Well, because he's more serious. But, and he's a bit... Actually, he's not very sympathetic to people, is he? He, he knows he's right and uh, he, he doesn't yeah. care so much about other people because they're inferior to him, I think. And you can pick up on that. I don't think that the writer intended it to be like that. But if uh, you have to hear it at the right age, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, I love the like TV series, Sherlock Holmes, mm. and things like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like Agatha Christie and that kind of thing, I love to listen to that, and I still do. Yeah. And I still like puzzle games and murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. It's a great fun. And also books. Books also had a big influence, I think. Learning to read with you, with oh. like the sea pirates or whatever they were called. Yes, the Pitt Street Pirates. Pitt Street Pirates. That was a fabulous story. There were two stories, weren't there? And, I, um, and then the Seven, what, yeah. what were they called? Oh, the Secret Seven. Secret Seven. Yeah. And then there was the other book by Jeremy Strong, which was Mad Iris. 
Um, yeah. Um, but I, if I tell people just a little bit about what uh, Pitt Street Pirates were, because it's not quite as well known. Um, yeah. And uh, oh, um, it was a girl, quite a tall girl, who lived next door to a boy who was building a pirate ship in his back garden. And um, the trouble was the boat was too big and, and they couldn't launch it because they couldn't get it out of the garden. So she she carried it out of the garden. Of course, the three boys in the gang weren't very keen on having a girl involved, so they um, weren't very helpful. But they appreciated having the boat down on the river. And um, it was just how she managed it all. She put up with their stuff and then... She kind of rescued them. I can't remember the situation, but it was really funny. Yeah. And the other one that um, was really funny was Mad Iris because it was about an ostrich, and um, that was the um, that was Iris, and uh, uh, she went to a school. She got lost, and I think she went to a school, and then she was playing football with the kids and yeah. so on, but. I remember that in particular because uh, Papa had asked me to find a couple of books that you could um, learn to read English with. You could read German, but you couldn't read English. And yeah. um, I picked ones that were your age group in stories, but were designed as readers for people, for English readers, who couldn't read very well. So it was to strengthen their skills. And I thought that was just right to teach you because yeah. it'd be an interesting story, um, but it wouldn't be too hard to read. So for children who were dyslexic and things like that, it was it was yeah. for. Anyway, um, I got the books and I, we started off that I'd read a sentence and then you would read one word. And then after a little bit, you would read about four or five words and then... Um, you got to reading a sentence and within a, a week, because I was staying for a couple of weeks, within a week you were reading a whole paragraph, which was amazing because you were getting so confident so quickly. You must have been just on the edge of being ready for it, you know. And yeah. then we were together and I, and we were reading it like that, a paragraph and as much as you felt that you could read and then another paragraph from me and I went to the loo and left you with the book and when I came back you were about three pages ahead because <laughs> you'd read all all of it <laughs> and you were yeah. off it was like launching something and all of a sudden whoosh you know you were off and that was wonderful and you never stopped reading since I don't think <laughs> it was very good Anyway, yeah, sure. I mean, mm, I think easing kids into something is very good, and it, you should definitely do it like that. But also, sometimes you just have to let them experiment and try it, and maybe just step back, you know? Yes, that's right. And maybe not have, like, too much of a firm grip on them. Because, I mean, kids want to be free and always having a parent yeah. looking over is good, but not that the kid knows you're looking yes. over. Yes, yeah. Like, I, I saw um, 
I saw kids and two adults on a playground in, in a swing, and the kid was quite, quite old, actually, but the parents were so frightened that something might happen. They held him by his hands, and then it was only small swings. And I thought... Oh, yes, you felt sorry it's, for it's him. So, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's really sad, kind of. Yeah. I think the because secret... It's, it's not going to be very fun for the child. No, I think the secret for the adult is to remember what they did when they were a child and what they enjoyed. And also mm -hmm. to remember the things that they thought their parents didn't know about uh, that they did. Yeah. Because that's a very good learning experience. You you do something and, and you don't share it uh, because you're not sure whether you should or not because you're not sure whether you're allowed to or whatever mm -hmm. reason but I found as a teenager I used to be up to mischief as you probably can guess but um, I, my father I think well he trusted me completely but he also knew absolutely everything that went on in my life <laughs> even if I'd been out with some friends and he knew he guessed what was going on and I suppose he wasn't guessing when I think about it now but if we'd gone for a walk and he'd just say oh did you have a nice time yesterday and I'd tell him a little tiny bit and he'd think back to what he was like and then he'd, he'd coax little bits of information out of me and put it together in his head but I didn't know he was doing it so then in two weeks time when he'd say Oh, you better not do so and so again. It's not really very safe. <laughs> I think. How does he know I did that? So it's. I like mean, having trust as well. I think um, growing up on a gardenerai, which is basically kind of like a farm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the market garden would be. Market garden. My parents knew it. They could be as controlling as they wanted. They would, I would never be safe because there was always some tree I could climb or some... Like, I used to climb onto the tractors and yes. onto, like, shelves and stuff. So, I mean, there's always something where I can get hurt mm -hmm. in a market garden. And they had stuff to do, so they couldn't always be there. So, basically, I think it's much more important because that's the only real thing they really taught me is to know my limits. Yes, very good. And point. this lesson stays with me till till that today, you know. Um, I would climb as high as I knew I could, and I always knew when to stop. Mm -hmm. And also, like climbing and maybe um, falling once or scratching your elbow or something like that, which isn't tragic. I mean, sure. Um, it just helps you to learn what your body can and can't do and know where your limits are. And it's it's a great help nowadays. I mean, it's really, yeah, really helpful. That's good. So maybe I should write a story about that. That's a good idea. That, that um, how someone learns to know their limits. I think there is yeah. a built-in instinct that says, oh, oh that's enough. But, yeah. but if you can expand on that without alarming the child in any way, then that's good. I'll have to think that out. 
the other thing I, I was hoping that other people who listen to podcasts would send yeah. me suggestions, something they might like me to talk about or um, help them sort out, um, you know, how do you deal with this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, and we could work out stories with them or they could, obviously, of course, they could get their own kids to work them out with them. That'd be even better. I, I think, uh, yeah, everyone has that instinct of knowing when to stop. But the problem is, I think most people don't know that that is what it is and just power through it or just don't listen. So yeah. I think it's important to tell a child if you feel like you can't go anymore, it doesn't matter who's watching or who you mm. want to impress. Because, yeah, I mean, that's probably peer pressure or something like that. Yes, it is. Um, People dare each you, other. Yeah, which makes you then pa- uh, rush past your limits. Mm. And I mean, I I wanted to impress people as much as the next kids. I uh, I kind of was a show off as a child. Still <laughs> am a bit. Um, Nana's laughing because she knows that's an under exaggeration of the century. <laughs> I'm just thinking you were very very confident. <laughs> um, I'm yeah, still laughing. Mean, thank goodness. Not all of the, not all of that confidence was true. No, but you know how to... Some things I was quite insecure about, but... <laughs> I would just force myself to just, just do them because I had to yeah. for the image. That's brilliant. Which is I... strange. It's, that's really strange that I had, like, an image I wanted of myself as mm-hmm. a child. So yeah. I already knew what I wanted to be seen like, and then I basically became that yeah i i don't think i ever did except that i was a bit jealous sometimes of the boys in our street in the street i lived in we could play in the street because there were not cars there and there were 13 boys and three girls of the same age and so of course the boys dominated and i was always a bit jealous of it so i used to pretend sadly that I was a boy. Um, and that's why I like the Enid Blyton stories, because the girls could get on and do things. Or there was always one girl who was um, that kind of tomboy. So I used to model myself yeah. on that a bit. Um, but I think it's done me good in, in life overall. It's taught me to question attitudes. You know, when somebody tries to put you down, you don't take it. Yeah. Oh, by the way... Um, I hate to say this, but I think we've more or less finished for this time. Yeah, um, we're at, I think so too. We're, we're off the storytelling, really. Although all of it is valuable for people to think, um, well, this yeah. is how our, de- our relationship developed to be so good because we started off by telling stories and playing games together, even though we were far apart. And then um, I thought... One of the people people who might be interested in this would be someone, say, who was in prison and who um, was scared because they were cut off with, from their kids and they could do storytelling, um, even if it meant they had to write it down and post a letter or get it, it to them some other way. 
but the, those kind of relationships can be developed in all sorts of ways. If, if there's been a bit of a family quarrel and one member of the family isn't really allowed a lot of contact, yeah. then sending them a monthly story could be brilliant. Um, it's got so many that, applications. And it's what we're doing in life anyway. Yeah, I mean, every lesson has a story behind it. Yeah. Because um, someone had to learn it the first time. And how did you learn it? So that's yeah. the story in itself. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to switch the recorder off now and put this up online later. Just a second. Thank you ever so much for all this. Hope you enjoyed this special recording, folks. Um, the transcript, of course, doesn't exist because it was a live uh, recording and I really can't go through all that and work out what was being said. Uh, but still, it's available on Apple, on Google, on Spotify and, of course, on my own website, www.telltalestokids.com. I'm hoping this is the first of a much better quality of uh, recordings for you so that you can really enjoy them. Um, I'll still be doing versions on my own where I just do with a particular topic, but I will also be having guest speakers again and quite a variety, I hope. So every three weeks, um, this should be with you. Uh, enjoy for now and please leave any comments on my website. Thank you. Bye-bye.